This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, good morning, one and all, on this... uh the first Saturday in the month of December. And look, hmm? we're surrounded by uh, seasonal decorations. Uh, congratulations to whoever uh, was responsible yeah, for beautiful. decorating our studio. It is absolutely beautiful. It sure is. Yes, Very sir. Very festive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in preparation for Christmaka. Christmaka. Oh, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's a nice time of year, and... Uh, Golly, uh, poor Shirley went through oh, <laughs> all sorts of problems with a Christmas tree that got all lit, you know, something like 2,000 lights on it. And then 30 minutes after getting it up and Ka-chum. working, it being half of it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> after the third time, the tree went oh. out, went and bought a new one. Oh, it's just a scream. But it looks great. I so, bet it does. yeah, we're all back to normal now. Oh, just a quick note if I could, from last week's show. Well, do the uh, numbers first. Oh, yeah, I'll better do that. To, all right. To direct you to my chair. But Absolutely. Oh, oh you'll be the producer today. Uh, okay. It's my turn, yep. All right. <laughs> to be the boxy Toron- boots. <laughs> In Toronto, you want to talk to Charlie? By all means, we'd love you to. Um, give a call to 416 360 740 or anywhere else in the province toll free 1866 740 740 and if you are a first time caller let Sebastian know because when you get to the air You'll get your garden wings, call early, call off, and one question per call. And last week, yes. we had a caller we didn't get to at That's the right. end. Carolyn, so this would be a perfect time, Carolyn, to give us a call and get on the air and get the answer that you wanted from Charlie, okay? That's right. Yep. The All right, what do you have open. going on there, Charlie? Oh, I've always got lots going on. But oh, here's an interesting thing at the Royal Botanical Gardens. Mm-hmm. It's a free lecture, open to the public. Yep. It's on Tuesday, December the 12th, 7 to 8 p.m., it's all about the Coots Paradise Restoration Project. So this is adapting to extreme weather. Join Ties Meyer, head of natural lands at RBG, for an informative presentation on how this year's extreme weather affected the restoration efforts of Coots Paradise Marsh Marsh period, sorry. Turns out the floods, you know how, how uh, high yeah, the lake yeah. was. The floods this year were devastating to the marsh. The water rose to an all-time high, the levels climbing above the fishway's carp barriers, disrupting the delicate balance of this recovering ecosystem. Invasive carp got into the marsh, and much of the recovered plant life were either damaged or destroyed by floodwater and debris. It will take months of hard work to get things back to the way they were, reigniting the journey of environmental recovery and sustainability. 
So Tyus will speak about the damage done and RBG's plan to restore this essential and vital part of Coots Paradise Marsh. So 680... Where, where is that located? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not oh, familiar well, so with it. RBG, have you ever been to Royal Botanical Gardens? Yes, a long, long while ago. Yeah, I mean, it's got some very specific gardens, Rose Garden, oh, okay. Rock Garden, yeah. you know, on and on and on kind of gardens. But it is a much bigger place than what you recognize when uh-huh. you're going to some of the more cultivated areas. RBG covers a huge swath of land, including Coots Marsh. Okay. So it is, it's right on the lake there. So they've got all this lake. It, it, and that's been always been one of the issues for RBG is how to maintain and sustain and be, you know, do all the right things for such a huge chunk of land. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I, I can pull it up here for you. But bottom line is RBG, the, the center is located at 680 Plains Road West in Burlington. Uh, Like I said, reserve your seat at rbg.ca if you'd like to attend this free event. But you'll learn a lot lot about what's going on in RBG in terms of their long-term sustainability plans. And obviously, it's just another example of extreme weather and making those preparations for it if we can and recognizing that, you know, whether it's our home gardens or it's public gardens, you got to be ready for extremes. Helping out Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. Well, not just that, but but it's a safety sustainability thing. I mean, when we get like the, that high water, think of the people on the island. Oh right? man, you yeah, know that was those not kids funny. that couldn't go yeah. to school. Like you know, just it was like extreme. Yep. So you know, I think when you live it, you remember it. But you know, when we're looking at it from afar, sometimes we learn to, need to learn more. Yep. Good stuff. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, will that hold for the moment? It will. Of course, right. I, I do want to just mention that I am so broke after last weekend's <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> yeah, we, we went to, uh, to High Park and had steak and eggs. Finally. Yeah, finally. After, and they were excellent. Actually. Well, I was going to say, it was a very good breakfast. Yeah. And you know what? I wasn't hungry for like three days afterwards. <laughs> it was a really good What you're trying to tell me meal. is... Be prepared, Proctor, because it's you're on paying you, the bill baby. today, and I'm it's going, going to be an expensive breakfast. Double uh, steak okay. and eggs, I think. <laughs> All right. All right. Back in a few moments here to uh, have a chat. And, in fact, we're going to be saying hi to Gloria right here in Toronto when we return. It is uh, The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let us begin. Ah, good morning, (laughs) Gloria. Nice to have you on the show. Yes, good morning to the both of you. Good morning. Um, I mentioned that I have a huge hibiscus. I brought it in from my garden. It is five feet high, and it is about three and a half feet wide. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. The problem with this hibiscus, I, it just started uh, this year. I have white fly, and it's, you know, uh... it's under the leaf. Very difficult to um, control. I've used um, Endol on it. I've uh, I've just lately used insecticidal soap, mm-hmm. and I've also went out and bought some of those yellow strips that mm-hmm. you stick in the soil. Yeah. Yeah. All those are all, those are all good things, but you're still finding a lot of a lot of white fly. It sounds like yes, it keeps returning, <laughs> calms down, and then it flares all up right. again. Right. So what's happening there is you're killing some, but not all of the white fly. That's um, right. So. Have you done any pruning on it at all in the last month or so? Uh, no, I haven't pruned yet. No. Because <clears throat> you're absolutely right. Whitefly is a very tough insect to get 
to, to completely eliminate. Yeah. Uh, with the sprays, of course, we get out our spray and we sneak up and we get ready to spray. And it's like the white fly sees you coming and it flies away. So, well, I close my, my bathroom door. Yeah. <laughs> but I know it's still around. You know, I can see them flying up and I try to spray them as they're in the air. <laughs> Target chasing, practice as well. <laughs> chasing the flies. Yeah. But if you look closely, you will see eggs on the underside of the leaves, particularly uh-huh. on the leaves that are on the tip of the plant. So the youngest leaves. The very, oh, the very young leaves. Yeah, the youngest uh-huh. leaves will probably, they're little, almost like a pearlescent um, uh, oval, um, well, they're eggs, stuck to the back of the leaves, size-wise, eh, two millimeters, like they're small. Yeah, they're underneath Like the a piece leaves. of rice, That's right. maybe. That's no, size. smaller than rice. Small, oh, smaller than rice. Yeah, okay. and then you're right, they're on the underside oh. of the leaves. I have not, I've not come across them at all. I just, I just see the white flies. Maybe it's my eyes. <laughs> yeah, it might be a magnifying glass you need. But okay. So what, what I'm saying here is that... The sprays you're spraying will kill the adults, assuming, you know, the flying insects, assuming you can coat their bodies with either the end all or the soap. Mm-hmm. They will die. Mm-hmm. But that does no control to the eggs. No. So 10 days later or 7 to 10 days later, the eggs are hatching, mm-hmm. more flies are coming out, mm-hmm. and you've got to be controlling those and staying on it so that you can ult- like ultimately what you want to do is catch those just born mm-hmm. babies before they mature enough to lay more eggs. Oh, well, what about dear. pruning uh, cutting back the new Exactly. Shoots? And what, so one of the ways I, things I do when I get white fly on hibiscus is I get out my pruners yeah. and I'll cut the plant back at least that size plant. I'd cut back anywhere from 8 to 12 inches on all the the tips. Okay, I'm writing that down 8 to 12 inches cut so, back. Yeah. Yeah, so you might lose some flowers, you might lose some buds, mm-hmm. you might sort of make it a bit of a strange shape. So mm-hmm. you can do more than that if you need to, just to make sure the shape looks good at the end. Mm-hmm. When you do those pruning bits, though, have a green garbage bag handy. Mm-hmm. Each pruning, each cut, take that cut piece of hibiscus into the green garbage bag, close it up, take, mm-hmm. make another cut, keep going. At the end of it all, you know, zip the whole the whole green garbage bag up. Okay. Outside into the garbage, mm-hmm. then spray. Then spray yep. after that. And then okay. watch your calendar. Seven to ten days later, prepare to spray again. Seven and and leave those sticky sticks out in the meantime because the, the yellow does attract the yeah. flies and they will uh, fly into the yellow. And, of course, they get stuck and they die there as well. Mm-hmm. So no egg laying if they're stuck on the, on the strip. Okay, I will try that. All that right, good luck. Good. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much. I enjoy your show. Oh, thank you, thank Gloria. you for calling. Have a great weekend. Thank you for being here with AM740, Zoomer Radio. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here to catch up on some of our commercial uh, mentions mm-hmm. uh, and then come back. I want to actually talk to you a little bit about getting uh, gifts uh, for people who are maybe not uh, expert gardeners at all, but you have a suspicion that, you know, you'd like to give them a, a Christmas plant or whatever, maybe a few recommendations of what you might do. Uh, or And if our callers, of course, have any suggestions, give us a call. Uh, whether you'd like to be given a, a plant, wh- what are you looking for? You know, that sort of thing. Anyway, um, if uh, it would be a great time to call in, by the way, if you've got a question, because we do have several lines open right now. 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Here on Zoomer Radio, The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. 
garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, along for the ride here this morning. And we're going to be uh, talking to several folks in just a moment. But you want to deal with an email question, right? Yes, exactly. Well, I know you kind of jumped on this idea of me coming out with some (laughs) gifts for gardeners (laughs) idea. So we will get to that if we have some time later. But let's do this. Uh, Email came in from Renzo. How do I take care of my big rosemary plant for the winter? Last year, I kept it inside in the kitchen by the window, but a white, dusty film began to cover the leaves till the leaves fell and the plant dried away. So right now in the stores, you if you grocery stores, garden centers, you will find the sweetest little rosemaries trimmed into a mm-hmm. Christmas tree uh, shape. So sweet little pot, smells you know heavenly, and is festive, obviously, because of the way it's been pruned and grown. There's also lavender, I saw, the little Christmas tree shapes. So if you were to purchase or be given one of these plants, Remember, I mean, these are are plants that we typically have outside all summer. Um, Rosemary is a tender perennial, so it doesn't survive the winter outside. But la- though lavender will in most cases, but you know it's nice to have the rosemary around. Take some little trimmings tip for your lamb or whatever you're making, and um, and also obviously just enjoy it for the season. So to help maintain that plant to survive our winters, mm-hmm. here's what you got to do. Make that pebble tray. We haven't talked about this since oh, last right. winter, yeah. but our homes are so dry in the winter with whether it's forced air heat or fireplaces or you know electric heat, it, whatever's going mm. on, our relative humidity becomes so low that some of the plants, re, the tropical plants, really suffer. Uh, rosemary is a subtropical, but nevertheless, it likes a higher relative humidity than where any of us have in our homes. So get yourself a little tray. It, it's could be a size of a cookie sheet. It could be smaller than that. Fill the bottom with pebbles and then put water into the tray so that the water is in amongst the pebbles mm-hmm. but not over the top of the pebbles. Sit your rosemary plant on top of those pebbles so that now we've got that water constantly evaporating around the plant, but the plant is not sitting in water. So right away the rosemary is going to love that increased humidity. Um, and we're going to avoid soggy soil because rosemaries do not want soggy soil. When you're wondering if it's time to water, feel the surface of the soil that the rosemary's in. When the surface starts to feel dry, stick your finger in. Uh, you want it to the top inch to be dry, then it's time to water. And water enough so that, you know, the water drains out the drainage mm-hmm. holes. But again, never let the plant sit in water, but have it up on the pebbles. Um, Remember, lots of light. Rosemary is going to want to be in the, a nice bright spot. And do not fertilize. Mm-hmm. Just let it do its thing. Just water as required. Give it lots of light and increase that humidity. That will be your best chance of keeping it alive. Quick little summary then. Rosemary doesn't like wet feet. Not at right? all. Uh, not at all. Okay. But it does like humidity and light. <laughs> all righty. Well, uh, Charlie, let's welcome a, a, a favorite caller of ours, Siva in Toronto. Hello, Siva. Hello, how are you guys? Good morning. Good. Great, how are you? Okay. I dug up my dahlias, mm-hmm. and I want to know, should I le- wash them off or leave no. the soil on them? No, don't wash them off. Just, um, have they dried down? Are they sitting, like, in a garage or a shed or something somewhere? I have them, actually, on my balcony, because I dug them up yesterday. Oh, okay. So, on the balcony, so... Um, and they're just, what, sitting on newspaper or on the ground? Paper, on paper. Okay, good. What we typically do with dahlias is, assuming they've been frosted, so that's all the foliage has 
just collapsed. Yes. You, yes. that's your indication that it's time to dig them up, which you've done. Keep them laid out on the paper for about a week if you can. Okay. Uh, this, the, the soil that's still clinging to the tubers will dry quite a bit. Okay. Make sure you've trimmed off all the foliage. Okay. And, been, and disposed of that. So in about seven days or so, and this is ensuring that there's no, no rain splashing onto them at all. Okay. Uh, a pair of gloves and a gentle um, sort of a brushing off of whatever soil is clinging to the tubers but don't worry about washing or brushing or you know getting really intense with your cleaning just certain amount of kind of just any loose soil should be uh, brushed away and then those tubers are ready to be put away for the winter into believe it or not some moist peat moss or moist sterile Okay. Uh, soilless mix. So it and should be moist, not dry. The not dry and not okay. super moist, like not like a wet sponge, just okay. a little bit of moisture because otherwise the, the dahlias are so funny, it's a fine line. Too much moisture and they'll rot, too dry and they'll shrivel up. Okay. So whatever they go into, whether it's a Rubbermaid box or whatever, uh, check them every two, three weeks. Just make sure that they're, they're looking good and clean. They're not rotting and then the soil's not too dry and they're starting to wrinkle. And okay. uh, just keep them, keep them like that right through till spring. Okay. Have okay. a good day then. Thank, thank you. you. Very good, Ziva. You thank, too. Thank you so much. Nice to have you along here on a Saturday morning as mm-hmm. we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Well, let me, I, which direction would I look to find Stainer? Stainer's or, up by uh, Creamore. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Flesherton and gotcha. all that. That's yep. where Lorraine is. That's right. And she's on the line right now. Good morning, Lorraine. Welcome to the show. Stainer is 10 minutes from Wasega Beach. Wasega Beach. Oh, there oh, you are. All right, so I, was, okay. I was, took you sort of the wrong direction. Do you have any snow yet in Stainer? Pardon? You, you don't have any snow, do you? No. Oh, did, but you must have got some a few weeks ago, I would yeah, think. Yeah, skipped. But it's all gone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have an aloe vera plant, mm-hmm. and in the summer I had it by my patio door, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I thought it was too hot, so I moved it, and it still got lots of light. And the leaves or whatever they are were, were, like, were really farm. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not rotting or anything, but they're soft. But I, I'm i wondering, do I need to water it or not water it? So it's in the house now, I assume. Mm-hmm. And if you've got it in the brightest, sunniest window that well, you... I moved it back to the patio oh, okay. um, door. Door, good, yeah. Um, all right, so if you felt soil right now, what would the soil feel like? It's dry, like as far as I can put my finger down. And what, do you remember the last time you watered it? Oh, I'd say it's probably three weeks because I was afraid maybe I was overwatering mm-hmm. it. Well, that's always the funny thing when when a plant uh, becomes flaccid or wilts, yeah. it can do it for one of two reasons. One is it needs water, and the other is it's been overwatered, and the roots have suffered from the overwatering and are now no longer able to absorb any water because they've rotted, and the plant collapses. So, how big is the plant, roughly? Oh. I don't know. No, because uh, I'm just going to say. I mean, if it's like small, it's got lots of long leaves, mm-hmm. or long stems, mm-hmm. and there's a piece growing up in the middle. Oh, nice. Oh, it, may, it sounds like it's almost going to flower then, maybe. I don't know, but I don't want to lose it. No, either, I've had it for maybe three years. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, if it's been three weeks, what I'd be and and it's. Did you repot it recently or anything? No. no. Well, I repotted it before I moved it. Like, okay. Um, yeah. From the patio doors, and it's in a nice pot, and it's got lots of drainage. <laughs> okay, so all of that is good. Yeah. Um, so what I would do if it's been that long, I would probably give it some water, um, uh, and then whatever is the appropriate amount, you know, half a cup, a cup, two cups, depending on the size of the pot, yeah. and then and then give it a couple hours, and then do exactly, feel those leaves. 
Okay. Are they firm again now? And if they are, then you know watering was the right thing to do. Oh, okay. If they're not firm after that watering, a couple hours has gone by, then suspect that it's time to not water for about six weeks and put that on the calendar. No water for six weeks. And oh, just, okay. and let it will, what will happen if, if it's been overwatered, it will, um, it will grow some new roots as long as it doesn't, the whole thing doesn't rot in the meantime. Oh, okay. Whenever I touch it, like in the pot, mm-hmm. it's kind of, doesn't flop over, but I can kind of move it. They are very shallow rooted. They're not like some plants with, you know, a serious root system. So just, um, yeah, leave it where it is. Remember, turn it 180 degrees every couple of days so that it will grow in a balanced fashion. Otherwise, it'll tend to always grow towards the light. Yeah, well, this one's growing up really nice. Nice. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, I mean, the only other thing, just to be absolutely sure about the water issue, is get a hold of something called a moisture meter. Oh, okay. And that you could probably purchase in Wasaga Beach. Yeah. It's a probe. It goes into the ground, into the soil in the pot. It's got okay. a little, little, um, uh, what do you want to, what's my word? A screen that's got dry and wet and everything in between on the screen. It's got little um, batteries in it. So into the soil, right away it's going to tell you what the moisture levels are down deep where your finger can't reach. Okay. And yeah. that'll tell you for sure whether it's time to water. Water? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. There's, there's Thanks a nice, for calling. Uh, gift idea for Christmas, you know. There you go. I'm uh, putting that on the list. Yeah. Moisture okay. meter. Moisture I think, meter. I think many people, particularly anybody with fair-sized plants, yeah, the kind where yeah. you really, you know, you can stick your finger down an inch, but of course the pot's, yeah. you know, a foot deep. doesn't do you much good. So a moisture meter, I think, is something that just about everybody I've ever met could benefit from having. Well, there you go. A little Christmas gift idea for stocking I'm putting stuffer. a star on that yeah. one. Hey, good. <laughs> um, yeah, well, from Stainer uh, to, um, to Collingwood. Collingwood. Yeah, yeah there, there's Betty. Good morning, Betty. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, what I was talking about or listening to you about the hibiscus, the lady called a couple called With ago. the white fly, yep. Uh, where do eggs germinate for the white fly? Eggs are laid on the underside of the, of the newest leaves. Okay, because... Uh, when we bring them in in the fall, I have four that are over 30 years old. Wow. And they're doing really good. I, have had, I haven't had white flies in years. Mm. But what we do, we dig out all the, the loose soil mm-hmm. and use insecticidal soap. Mm-hmm. And I go through all the leaves underneath and on top and everything, and we spray it yeah. with insecticidal soap. Mm-hmm. And it, we have never had white flies in years. And and you take you said you take away the top inch or so of soil, all the loose soil, the loose soil. And, and add new soil on that surface. Plant yeah. probably loves that, loves that fresh soil, mm-hmm. uh, because soil does get tired. You know, it gets yeah. it gets depleted of nutrients, um, particle size, everything. So the freshening up the soil is a good idea. And you're absolutely right as well. It's that that you know really thorough attention to detail when you're spraying an insecticidal soap or, you know, a bug be gone or an end all, any of those insecticides, they work on contact. So you must contact the insects. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, but the, the, like I say, the eggs are typically laid on the underside of the leaves. But you, when you're bringing them in, you're doing such a good job that you're not bringing anything in with it. So there's no opportunity for eggs to get laid. Right. Good job. Yeah. Thank Just you, Ben. I to let you know. Yeah. Okay. Thank well, good you. for you. That's a long time to own hibiscus. Yes, they're, and they're really nice. My husband cuts them back every yeah. every time he brings them in in the nice. fall. Are they all different colors? Uh, 
one is yellow and the other are a beautiful kind of a fuchsia. Oh, oh sweet. Wow. Yeah, and they're nice. double. Oh, even better. See, and yeah. the doubles are even more susceptible to problems than, yeah. than the singles because, because of the more highly bred, they tend to lose vigor. So uh-huh. they're a less vigorous plant and they uh, kind of scream for, you know, eat me kind of thing. <laughs> and yeah. insects find them. So, yeah. yeah, good for you. That's really good. Thank okay. you, Betty. Congratulations. Thank you. Speaking, Thanks for calling. Speaking of bugs, I heard a really interesting report on my way into work. Uh, today, that those who cut down Christmas trees and bring in the live tree, mm-hmm. like me, uh, yeah, beware. There mm-hmm. are up to twenty five thousand bugs oh. on trees. What? That you bring Ever. in, yeah. So <laughs> no, I'm just saying, <laughs> shake it out, shake it before you bring it in the house. You know, well, like who what wants... are they saying? Like what kind of, what kind of bugs? Like, like well, I don't know, but <laughs> bugs. People, spiders. You shouldn't say things like that. People get all uptight now, and then they're going to go, well, oh. No, then, but can't you just spray the, the tree? What I always do, I mean, typically there's always a little bit of dead material on yeah. a tree, you know, dead needles yeah. and stuff. And, you know, sometimes there's some weeds grow, growing up inside, et cetera. And you're right, there's the odd, you know, bird's nest or whatever. <laughs> so after you cut the tree, or assuming you perhaps buy an already cut tree, you bring it home. First thing we do is we, we ban- you know, drop it butt end down. Yeah. Yeah. Onto the hard concrete or driveway or whatever, a couple of times, just to shake us. Literally, yeah. yeah, shake out debris of all kinds comes yeah. out of it. And for all I know, twenty five thousand little insects come out too, <laughs> and I just don't see them. You but, should have seen your face when I said that. I, I know it's like you, for people that are a little bit um, squeamish. Yeah, not happy with having insects in their home. That's a bad thing to tell them about because. Honestly, supporting the Christmas tree, you know, the live Christmas right. tree industry, I think is very important. I'm, I'm not a fan of artificial trees for many, many reasons. And one of them is that, um, you know, it's just an awful lot of plastic. I wonder if there's still shipped. people around who put live candles in a tree as they used I to. I not. Wait, oh, yeah, I know. I, can, I couldn't believe that. Germany. That people, yeah, they used to do that. Well, because they didn't have electricity. But they did it a long time. Lord. That, it was... Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, in, How dangerous was oh, that? Oh, golly, do you think? <laughs> Putting a live candle in a tree? And not a cut tree. And not yeah. only that, they didn't have like pots of water yeah. below the tree. Yeah. Like the tree was drying out as we speak. And Holy it was in mackerel. you know, some big hall somewhere with <laughs> fireplaces burning everywhere, right. super dry air. Yeah, dangerous. Okay. Uh, we have to take a little bit of a break, but we uh, are going to be having a little chat with a Burlington resident, Nancy mm-hmm. Bename, uh, in just short order, here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie Dobbin available at a couple of numbers here. We've got a couple of lines open. As a matter of fact, in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll free, one 866 740-4740. But right now, let's uh, turn to Burlington. There's Nancy. Good morning, Nancy. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Um, I'm I'm calling for my daughter, who mm-hmm. uh, really loves to use fresh herbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, she bought five different kinds from a reputable dealer and a reputable producer, mm-hmm. and uh, they have all died. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Is it watering? Mm, hard to say. Uh, she bought them recently, like in the last month yeah. or so? Uh, no, no, uh, probably a month ago. 
Okay, and uh, and they were little pots, and she they were about four, four and a half inch. Yeah, and she brought them home, and she put them in lots of light. I assume uh, south, facing south, facing south. So little pots like that do dry out fairly quickly when we're having sunny days and a, a southern window that mm, probably has no blinds or shears or anything on it. So lots no. of light. So it could have been lack of water. Mind you, herbs are pretty tough, like are always better on the dry side. But you do need to check little pots like that every day, particularly on a sunny day, and you know, water thoroughly when you water. And then, of course, never let the plants sit in water, those little pots. Yeah. So they've, they're in little green, you know, hole, there's drainage holes in those little green pots. And, of yeah. course, you've got a tray beneath. So the water yeah. runs out of the drainage holes, and that's all great. You know, if there's still water in the tray, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, we dump that out. So it could just be something like that, that it kind of got away with her, that the, some sunny, you know, warm, sunny days, that the, she just missed the, the watering opportunity. The other option is that she watered absolutely every day because she thought she needed to, and you get a lot of these gloomy gray days, and not a lot of water is being utilized by the plant. So hard to say for sure, but certainly worth a try again. But it's really, it's a daily checking. Feel the soil, look at the plants. Don't be afraid to pinch the tips and use them in your cooking. That'll help them yeah. get bushy. Um, uh, how susceptible are these to insects? Not very. Herbs in general are not are never an insect's favorite choice because they're so aromatic. There's so yeah. many sort of strong chemicals in them that we love, which is why we use them for their flavors, but most insects do not love them. See, hibiscus we've been talking about a lot. Hibiscus is a very sweet has very sweet uh, nectar, and insects love it. They'll, they'll fly for many, many miles to find a hibiscus, but they wouldn't do that with basil or thyme or rosemary or any sage that stay right away yeah, from those. those are the ones that she's got. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, be careful with parsley. Parsley is, can be a bit tasty, but just, you know, check them. Ask, tell her just a reminder every single day, set aside a couple minutes to check the soil, check the plants, make sure there's nothing going on odd with the plants, and pinch a couple of leaves at the same time. So, so it's uh, worth retrying them all. I would for sure. She's got a southern window for sure. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank for you, Nancy. Yeah, take care of Burlington for us. And uh, yeah. So um, just on the break there, Frank, you, you we were. We're talking about Christmas trees yes. because you brought up this idea that live trees have all this <laughs> life, life on them, and that we bring it into our homes. So I was just mentioning, obviously, that I'm a big fan of art, of the real trees rather you, you than artificial. Didn't used to be. When yeah. I was young, when I was eight or nine years old, I announced to my family that I felt it was wrong to kill trees for a ten day period, and that we should not ever get live trees. We should just go artificial. So my family being all, you know, me being the princess and, you know, making all the rules in the family, uh, my family went along with that. But then I went to university and I learned about the Christmas tree industry. Uh And I learned about the fact that these trees are actually planted with the intention of being cut down. And so then I completely reversed my my analysis and said to my family, all right, get rid of the artificial tree. Now we got to go live. We've got to support the local growers. Yeah. Um, and uh, which they didn't do. They kept the artificial, but I only do live at my house for that purpose. But I, I, And then you mentioned that your son and his Don't family in, yeah. make it a day going out to get the tree. Yep, they could cut the tree down, they could, you know, binder twine it and put it on top of the roof of the car. Yeah, it's and, like an, and adventure. It's an adventure. Exactly. It, yeah, it, it's a family adventure. So when I met Elliot, Elliot is Jewish. He had never experienced Christmas. 
um, this is long, long, almost probably 30 years ago now. So I explained to him that I negotiate a lot of things, but I do not negotiate Christmas. This is a very important holiday to me. And so he was like, well, okay. He's never, he's never had a Christmas, never lived where there was a Christmas tree. And And he said, well, okay, I guess I could go along with the idea of living in a place where there's a tree, but I insist that we have to go out and cut it ourselves. And I went, oh, oh really? that's fun. Okay, okay great. Yeah. No problem. So first couple of years, little babies and toboggans and the snow, and it was so much fun, great pictures and, yeah. you know, caroling and hot chocolate and all that great stuff. Then there was the Christmas where there was no snow. And as a matter of fact, it was mud up to our... You know, hips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's great pictures of Elliot lying in the mud, sawing down a tree. <laughs> and it was like not fun. No. Uh, <laughs> then when we renegotiated the weather, we had to cut it down ourselves or not. <laughs> but yes, we still have the live tree, but we haven't actually gone out and cut our own in many years now. There's I, on the way into uh, well, to and from my place uh, up up in the uh, northern end of Stoville pass by Horton's tree farm mm-hmm. and watch folks Big going one. in and out of there. And apparently Mrs. Claus was there. This was last oh. week at, at some point, handing out hot chocolate yeah. and goodies to the kids. Oh yeah. And, they they oh, make it very fun because yeah, yeah. they do. They, they, they do it just for the families with the young kids. Like you're saying, it's, yep. there's a logs, you know, fires, there's hay rides or sleigh rides, depending on whether there's snow or not. And there's often visitors like the clauses or the elves and, and they do a great job. I mean, they'll, you pick the tree, but then they've got the machine to net it for you so it goes onto your 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 car very nicely and cleanly and uh, and there's always little gifts you can purchase food you can purchase even little homemade ornaments at some of the places so no it is it's quite a fun thing and, and again it is very much supporting the local industry you got so, it well oh, i wonder what the heck's going on around tilsonburg that would cause oh, well. warner to give us a call but <laughs> in any case warner welcome to the show good morning good morning I am listening to your show all the time. Uh-huh. I have a humidifier yes. meter, and what number would it be the best in a house with some plants? Like I have an aloe vera plant, but going away for three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, what number hmm. of humidity is it? Sixty, seventy? You well, you wouldn't be able to do that while you're away, because. Um, see, the thing is, the colder it is outside. The lower the relative humidity has to be inside our homes because we end up with condensation on our windows and window frames if there's too dramatic of a humidity of a difference between temperature inside and outside. So to just set what I mean, the optimal is to have an, a humidifier that automatically uh, will change itself as the outdoor temperature changes. That's the best. Um, or, or have a smart home where you can sit on your phone and just change, you know, modify things from afar, uh, whether it's, you know, the furnace or the humidifier, any of those things. That, that would be really the optimal thing. If you've got a few plants that are going to be on their own for three months while you're away, you're going to obviously water thoroughly before you go. You're going to be turning your, your thermostat down, I imagine, to about, you know, 50 degrees, something yeah. like that. So I'd be setting your humidifier probably about 30 percent, 40 percent, you know, 30 or 40. And that... Yep, and that should be fine because you're co- you're nice and cool inside. Of course, it's going to be cold outside, but you shouldn't have any condensation issues with it set about there. The plants would love it to be about 80, but you don't want to leave your house with that with the humidifier that high without you there to, to sort of monitor what's going on. Right now, the, the humidifier reads 65%. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and, and that's great to have it at 65, but you know, it's six degrees outside today. Uh, it's probably even warmer where you are. Um, when you're away, it could be 20 below. And that 65% is going to be a problem if it's 20 below at your place. Oh, I see. Yeah, you'll just end up with a lot of, there'll be moisture building up inside the home, which is exactly, you don't want that. You'll end up with molds and mildews and, yeah. and spores floating around. It becomes an unhealthy environment. I mean, that's, that was the whole thing with the grow ops, right? When there was all these illegal grow ops, people growing all this, the cannabis inside, you know, suburban homes. Because of the humidity levels, they had to keep it for the plants to thrive. They ended up with tons of mildew and mold problems inside these homes that were not designed for that high of humidity. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. Greenhouses are. Greenhouses are designed to handle that kind of humidity because we have all kinds of ventilation and ways to uh, avoid moisture buildup that becomes a problem. Yeah. Drywall is not good for moisture buildup. Yeah, you said... Every six weeks to water the uh, aloe vera plant. Yeah, depending on the size of the pot. Yep, yeah, might be. I have yeah. I have a aloe vera in a very large clay pot, but a twelve inch yeah. clay pot. I yeah. water it like twice a year, so it's like every six oh, months. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Hey, thrive on neglect. <laughs> well, there you go. Thank you, Warner, for joining us here on this Saturday morning. You know, a part of our little mantra we start out the show is call early, call often. One question per call. And I think, I think Nancy, whom we've been speaking with uh, earlier in the show, Mm -hmm. might be calling back in. We'll find out in moments after we take our final commercial break here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's check and see if indeed it is Nancy from Burlington making the second call through. Good morning, Nancy. <laughs> Good morning. Oh, hi. It's me back again. Good. Nice. Smart. Well, well, the wintertime, it's so much easier to get on the phone, so all of my questions I need to ask <laughs> during the downtime. Good idea. Um, I have a bougainvillea, um, two, two years old, first year, um, bloomed uh, beautifully. Uh, outside in the summer. Uh, outside in the summer. Yeah. Bought it in. I have a, a porch with a, a lot of light. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's heated. I keep the heat low, but kept okay. it over uh, winter and put it back out again. And nothing happened. It didn't even grow new green leaves. Oh, really? It just sat there, mm. and and it didn't do anything. And but, so I brought it back in again. I just checked it, and uh, it's still just sitting there. Nothing new, nothing growing, uh, but nothing dying. Uh, okay, oh. so tell me about fertilizing. Have you ever fertilized? No, I have not fertilized. There's the answer to your question. Okay. Okay, bougainvillea is considered a heavy feeder. It requires regular fertilization to produce blooms throughout the growing season. Use a water-soluble fertilizer mixed at half strength. So whatever the recommendation is on the box or package, give it... So say it's one tablespoon per gallon of water... Give it half a tablespoon of water per gallon of water um, when you do the mix. And um, use that that regularly every 7 to 10 days, that that half-strength fertilizer. And you will find – and I wouldn't actually start that now. I'd wait till after Christmas, wait till January, February, uh, and just start doing a consistent feeding of the plant. should be covered in blooms next Mm -hmm. summer. 
Well, isn't that nice? Well, there, there you go. go. <laughs> now, those, those long tendrils that um, mm-hmm. that come out from the plant mm-hmm. um, that that get in the way um, should they be cut back? Well, they get in the way, but that is where how the plant grows. It is a vine. Uh, it does want to send long tendrils. It wants, if anything, I'd be considering maybe putting a bit of a trellis uh, inside the pot or okay. some bamboo stakes oh, so yeah. that you could actually grow it, allow it to grow up or grow in a shape. Sometimes people put a wire form like a, yeah. like a you know, a hoop or something like that yeah. and grow it in a shape. Um uh, that's what I'd be inclined to do because if you if you're continually cutting off all those little tendrils as they shoot out, you are potentially cutting off your future blooms. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So, um, Which is I'll not. Let, yeah. Not to I'll, say that. I'll you, let them live. Yeah. Not to say that you shouldn't ever prune it, but just try and try and sort of let it go for a little while, and then prune it like all at one at one time. Yeah. Post bloom. Right, you want because let it grow. You'll get a bunch of blooms, and then pick a day, and then cut it all back, and you know. But hopefully, yeah. it won't be blooming at that point. Okay. okay. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Thanks for, for uh, joining back. us again, Nancy. Always <laughs> nice to hear. Uh, we have time. I think maybe you think? let's let's go to uh, Tavistock. There's mm. Harry. Good morning, Where's Harry. Tavistock. Wow. Uh, good morning. Morning. I I was given a houseplant recently, and uh, the friend who gave it to me doesn't know what what kind it is, but there's. It's uh, like it doesn't get flowers. It just has uh, nice-looking leaves. Mm-hmm. They're, they're two different colors mm-hmm. and um, on each leaf. Uh, and there's small flies. They look like fruit flies uh-huh. that, that are uh, seen. I think they're living in the soil. They are. But I didn't know what I could do about it. <laughs> All right. So I will tell you, but first, Frank's got his oh, arm poised. I he meant missed... to give you your, the little bell ring here, which I neglected. There we go. Oh, thank you. That's <laughs> your welcome. garden wings. And you're going you're gonna to deserve those wings when you follow the advice I'm going to give you. That plant that the friend gave you has something called fungus gnats. So G-N-A-T-S, gnats, okay. in the soil. You're absolutely right. The little eggs are laid in the soil. The larvae hatch out of the eggs, tiny microscopic little white larvae, and they um, move around in the soil eating fungus. Then they grow up to be fl- to be adults, and they look like fruit flies, and they fly up out of the soil, and they look for a place to lay more eggs. S- pull back on your watering, so it's because that plant is being kept too moist too, for too long that you've got f- so much fungus growing in the soil, and that allows the fungus gnats to really thrive. So pull back on your watering so that it, the plant dries out between waterings. Get it to the point of limpness if necessary. Then water thoroughly. That will lower your fungus. And the other thing is get a hold of something called sticky sticks. So sticky, S-T-I-X, made by Safers. Yellow sticky uh, cards that you'll use in the around the plant. And that will catch a lot of the adults before they can lay eggs as well. It'll take a few weeks, but you should be able to eliminate those gnats if you cut back on watering and use the sticky sticks. Hey, there's some good news, Harry. All right. Thanks thank for you. calling. All righty. We're, wow, fresh out seconds, of time. Seconds, seconds to yeah. go. So thank you, Frank. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you to all our callers who many are out obviously shopping or cutting Christmas trees <laughs> and not calling in. So Nancy was very smart to call in twice. Thanks, Sebastian. Couldn't do it without you. And thank you to all our great callers all the time. Really appreciate the good questions and good tips. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.